thank you very much. The honorable members, before I proceed, I would like to remind you that the visual mini plenary is Thank you very much. The honorable members, before I proceed, the rules I would like to remind you for debate will apply. The visual Thank you very much. Honorable members, before I proceed, the rules I would like to remind you. Thank you very much.
Thousands of jobs were sustained in the making of those cars in factories in Yutnaik, Nelson Mandela Bay, Etequini, Buffalo City, and Pretoria. In addition, we've worked hard to build the African continental free trade area as the foundation for our long-term growth. Deputy Minister Majola Gina and I met with fellow African Union ministers to consider the terms of this vast new market, to set up the new secretariat in Ghana, headed by South African Wamkele Mene, and to propose a switch on date for the new agreement. Third, last year we aimed to significantly increase levels of investment in the economy. In November at the investment conference, 71 investors pledged more than 364 billion rand in fresh investments. Amazon announced they will create 3,000 new jobs through moving back office to work to South Africa. We opened a new half a billion rand localized process at Toyota and the new cell phone factory at Dubai Trade Port. And PepsiCo committed at least five and a half billion rand in investment in the food sector with 3,000 extra jobs planned. Commitments by the IDC in projects for the year amounted to almost 12 billion rand, creating or sustaining more than 12,000 jobs. To improve the ease of doing business, vulnerable members, we launched the Biz Portal that enables a young entrepreneur to go to one website, register a company, register for tax, get a BEE certificate, register for UIF, get her domain name, and even open a bank account. All in a few hours, no queuing. Fourth, we undertook to promote economic inclusion and transformation. The Black Industrialist Program received a boost through the six billion rand transformation fund announced by the auto industry as part of their commitment to government. A draft report, which will be released this coming week, will show that the in black empowered enterprises in the past 10 years through the work of the DTRC and its agencies. These efforts have been complemented by giving more meat to the broad base part of transformation. And I cite two examples. To boost worker empowerment in companies, a deal was agreed between PepsiCo and the DTRC in February this for the purchase of Pioneer Foods. The company will finance the workers' trust that will hold 13% equity or shielding for 10,000 workers and have a worker representative on the board in the new company that combines Simba and Pioneer Foods. To boost community access, I requested the Competition Commission to undertake a market inquiry into data prices, which resulted in prices of prepaid data bundles coming down more than 30%, with savings of more than 5 billion rand annually to consumers uh, of Vodacom, for also to digital platforms like e-commerce. It's owners of their own businesses. In the last five years, the IDC has invested nearly 12 billion. In addition, the construction settlement agreement owned firms in the sector, like material construction founded by the late top Fifth, we committed to promote more equitable, special, and industrial development through SEZs. In November, the projected investment amounts to about 3.6 
billion rand. Potential six buildings will be completed next year. And the first firms are expected to start operation in early 2022. Six, we committed to take steps to enhance the capability of the state and its impact, including through partnerships. Since then, we've used expertise from the private sector to drive different master plan processes. We've worked with business and labor to launch the Solidarity Fund. We've coordinated a common database for medical supplies and developed joint COVID-19 response in many sectors. We've used ministerial panels to bring the knowledge to help develop smart solutions. In all these actions, honorable members, we had increased the resilience of our economy by rebuilding our industrial base and restoring our trade position. And then COVID-19 struck. Today's session thus takes place in a very different circumstance from last year's budget vote here and elsewhere in the world. South Africa is now truly in the grip of the pandemic with a surge in cases and a devastating impact on communities, on firms and workers. Both lives and livelihoods are being lost. In the weeks before our lockdown started, some businesses were already closing because their global supply chains were disrupted. As the scale of the pandemic became clearer, and governments across the world introduced lockdowns to limit movement and save lives and flatten the curve of infection. Demand for goods and services the tale that is devastating people's lives across the world. But South Africans are resilient. And in spite of the difficult hand we've been dealt, citizens, firms, and government have responded <clears throat> in a way that has mitigated the risks and protected those vulnerable to the impact of the COVID virus. With global supply chains broke down, uh, or when it broke down, we couldn't and PPEs elsewhere in the world. We needed to show our resilience by falling back on our own enterprise and innovation. We scaled up the local manufacture of basic COVID-19 supplies, quickly ramping up production of medical grade masks from 6 million to 13 million units a month. These companies included locally owned ones and local workers produce those masks that protected our healthcare workers. This week, the first units of a locally made ventilator machine, a CPAP, is being assembled at factories with 20,000 units that will be produced in record time, led by capable teams drawing in some of South Africa's best science capabilities. I previously briefed the Portfolio Committee on a wide range of measures we've taken to deal with the crisis, from support to businesses, through funding, to securing scarce medical goods. As an example, we issued regulations and directions to fight price hikes during the pandemic. And thus far, the Competition Commission has levied stiff penalties on 28 firms to a value of more than 16 million rand. Our intention was to ensure that no one was able to exploit the crisis to profit from other people's pain and suffering and to add further pressure to tight domestic budgets. The lesson is that when confronted with a challenge, we found the will, the innovation, and the industrial capacity to do the job. We proved as South Africans that we can be resilient. Now we must recognize the historical moment and the opportunity it provides. We must build even greater resilience by making strategic localization a major policy goal. Honorable members, as a result of the impact of COVID-19, we must carry out our responsibilities 
within within an even more constrained environment and faced with what we could call a triple whammy. The DTIC budget has been cut quite substantially with 1.8 billion rand taken off as a result of the need by the state to reprioritize resources. And agencies who rely in part on income from the public or from their investment holdings have had sharp reduction in their income and resources. While at the same time, the need of firms and workers have grown as a result of the damage caused by the pandemic. There are no easy answers. And we are faced by what some call a perfect storm. Yet it is precisely in this most difficult moment that we as South Africans will need to find our resilient core. To repair the damage of COVID-19 and reconstruct the economy to create more jobs, bring more young people into entrepreneurship and increase economic inclusion, we will need to think boldly and implement smartly. It requires better coordination and a different way of working, which is why I have engaged talented persons inside and outside the public sector to enrich our thinking. One team is looking at ideas on the just transition to a greener economy and proposals to leverage local procurement and advance regional integration. Another is looking at enhancing worker empowerment at company level. President Ramaphosa spoke about the wider economic recovery and reconstruction plan that is being developed within which the DTIC will play its role. Investment in infrastructure-driven growth through building of bridges and roads and clinics and renewable energy plants will bring more young people into jobs. And greater use of locally made inputs of steel and of cement and machinery can enable that infrastructure investment to stimulate the growth of manufacturing. Township and rural enterprises must be scaled up, for example, our digital hubs program, working with the private sector, including Microsoft, seeks to take entrepreneurship and skills development into townships, given challenges that many unemployed young people have in traveling to metro areas to apply for jobs or attend skill development courses. Our film and TV production provide pathways for young people to enter the workplace and to let us tell our story as Africans of our struggles for freedom and our efforts at development and growth. At the same time, honorable members, the tectonic shifts in economies towards greener industries provide opportunities. For example, Toyota's announcement that they will build Africa's first hybrid vehicle in South Africa within 18 months is a step towards that, as can be the investing more in renewable energy. This provides an opportunity for the beneficiation of key mineral resources like vanadium. The industrial age is not over, but it will be profoundly reshaped by digital technologies, greener industries, and industrial agility. South Africa must find its niche in this new environment. There can be no return to the old normal, and no, nor should there be. It was not fit for future purpose. Established industries that were critical to our economy will not be able to create the millions of jobs required. To prepare for the post-COVID world, we will strengthen efforts around reconstruction and recovery, including broader packs with workers and businesses, focused on saving as many firms and jobs, identifying new opportunities, 
embracing digital technologies to recover and change, addressing economic inclusion with greater urgency. As a first step, every directorate of the DTIC and every agency will prioritize saving jobs and saving firms and report on the impact. Wherever possible, the DTIC institutions will be asked to reallocate resources to this goal. Work will be reorganized to support the district development model to bring more bang for each rand we spend. We will streamline approval processes for funding from IDC, NEF, and DTIC so that we avoid and will consider back office for smaller DTIC agencies covering some finance, ICT, and human resource functions. We must draw on resources of social public goals, such as competition, building on a solid progress of last year, but adapting our strategy in light of the historical moment created by the pandemic. Each of the six priority program areas will now be recalibrated to save lives and protect livelihoods. First, new master plans, one for furniture, which are for many more small-scale artisans, plus another for the steel industry, the very foundation of our industrialization, employing nearly uh, 250,000 people. But the department's mandate is not only to produce new master plans, it will be the focus of master plans for autos, clothing, sugar, and poultry. Second, to help pivot the economy from its reliance on imports to greater levels of local manufacture, we will finance at least three new agreements on localization uh, and supplier development, following discussions with CEOs at fast food producers, hardware stores, grocery retailers, food and consumer good manufacturers, and clothing and footwear retailers and manufacturers. This is partnership in action. Third, in the area of trade, to provide trade support to local firms, both in the domestic market and for exports, we will complete talks with the European Union on trade access, strengthen the actions against illegal imports, smugglers, beware we will crack down on customs fraud on imported goods, building on early successes by SARS, and we'll seek agreement to enable the AFC-FTA, that's the Afri African Continental Free Trade Area, to commence trade by the start of 2021. South Africa is well positioned to become a major supplier of industrial goods and value-added services to the continent. It's a point that Deputy Minister Majola makes. A combined push from the IDC and the ECIC can contribute to this. We will develop tangible targets to guide the work of South Africa's foreign economic representatives stationed at embassies, focused on export promotion and investment enhancement. Economic diplomacy, honorable members, is essential to building resilience. Fourth, on investment, we will focus on consolidating the presence of firms who have existing operations and help those who made investment pledges to bring their project to fruition. New areas for investment include deepening our production of PPEs, of medical equipment, and of pharmaceuticals. Fifth, on transformation, our efforts will go to providing non-financial support 
to black industrialists to complement the funding. And over the next five years, we will mobilize or commit very large sums in funding for black industrialists and firms. Women empowered businesses and uh, Deputy Minister Gina is doing great work for us here and worker empowerment must become a stronger focus. Transformation includes addressing high levels of economic concentration and helping to build stronger, agile, small and medium-sized businesses. Six, on SEZ's national government will play a stronger role in improved governance, advocacy, and mobilizing investment. The special unit at the IDC and the DBSA will assist provinces to use the 4 billion rand budget over the next three years more effectively on SEZs and industrial parks. We must nurture township and rural enterprises and diversify the economic centers across our country. To improve the capacity of the state, we will review the performance of the 17 public entities falling under the DTIC. Identify opportunities to consolidate and merge some entities, address underperformance, and in the case of the NLC, promote greater transparency and improve governance. We must find new ways to protect public resources so as to reassure the public that corruption will not get in the way of effective delivery. Words and good intentions are not enough. Accordingly, I have asked the department to consider the establishment of a strong forensic and internal audit team that can undertake the required investigation of transactions by agencies where these are warranted. COVID-19, honorable members, has exposed the fragility in the global economy. The quest for competitiveness must be balanced with the need to nurture economic resilience. The ability of industries to respond to risks that an open and integrated world present, be they to digital systems or from climate change or to food security or the spillovers of trade wars raging elsewhere or indeed from pandemics. Africa must grasp this opportunity to redefine its role in the world, to break from the post-colonial history as simply a supplier of raw materials. And this crisis must provide the jolt for our efforts to industrialize our continent. A profound reboot is now possible as well as necessary. History suggests that from the greatest human crises, the greatest human advances can be made. So in the darkest hour, we must prepare for a brighter future, at the heart of which must lie a new economy, fit for purpose, fair and just, sustainable and resilient, so that the future shocks can be absorbed. We must lift our heads above the dark clouds to see this future and work hard together to get it done. The achievement of the past year show what is possible. Now we must do more and to act fast to seize the moment. On behalf of Deputy Ministers Gina, Majola and myself, we wish to thank those who drive so much of our work. Lionel October and the dedicated DTIC staff complement, the leadership and staff of the 17 agencies which make up the DTIC family, facilitators of master plans, Harold Harvey and Lael Bethlehem, and our social partners, the leaders of business and trade union representatives. Honorable Chairperson, I wish to table the budget of just over 9.3 billion rand for the consideration of this house. I thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Minister. 
Can I now recognize Honorable Ngozi? Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Firstly, one wanted just to make sure that the statement made by the President on the national effort to contain COVID-19 pandemic, open quotes, increasingly we are hearing allegations about fraudulent unemployment insurance fund claim, overpricing of goods and services, a violation of emergency procurement regulation, collusion between officials and service provider, abuse of food parcel disruption and the creation of non-profit organization to accede to access the relief fund, close quote. The month of July is historic for the African National Congress. The people of South Africa and the world at large is in a month which marks the celebration of the birthday of our first democratically elected president, Nelson Holisha Mandela. As we mark the Mandela month, we are saddened by the passing of Obaba Ndade Andrew Mlangeni, the last of the remaining Rivonia trialists. He and his generation have sacrificed for the freedom we enjoy. We have humbled and privileged to the members of the organization of Obaba Mlangeni, the African National Congress. We stand before this august house to communicate our support as the ANC for the revised budget vote 39 of the Department of Trade, Industry and Competition. The revised budget was imposed on us by the reality of COVID-19 and the nationwide lockdown. The coronavirus pandemic has disrupted the socioeconomic activities the world over. We appreciate the more many initiative and intervention by the government to respond to COVID-19 and the lockdown. We agree with the government that at the center of our response to the COVID-19 must be issues of saving lives of our people. The budget of the DDIC has been reduced by at least 16% of the original budget. This obviously will impact on the annual performance plan, strategic plan of the department. Through the Portfolio Committee of Trade, Industry and Competition, we have engaged the department on impact of the revised budget, appreciated the approach by the department to develop innovative ways of doing more with less in the smart way South Africa. We support this revised budget vote because the department has correctly prioritized the allocation to programs which had the potential to grow the economy and therefore save jobs. This also includes measures to stimulate economic growth post the lockdown. Critical to these intervention measures includes the implementation of the investment project announced in the 2018-19 investment conferences. The department has correctly prioritized localization to stimulate domestic productivity and thus grow the economy. The, we urge government department and state entities to adhere to preferential procurement prescript, especially on localization. We also welcome the decision to focus on furniture steel um, 
master plan in this period? Quite understandably, the other master plans have been deferred to the next financial year. The department will continue with its support for the department and implementation of special economic zone program. This will also done through provision of technical support to provinces. As part of the advancing economic transformation, gender equity and youth empowerment, the DTIC will continue with the program of Black Industrialist Program in this financial year. Some of the immediate measures developed by the DTIC and of which we support includes the initiative to reduce uh, transmission of cor uh, coronavirus within the department. That is among its staff component. Also, alignment of the institutional capacity uh, within the administration to mitigate the budget cut. The DTIC has initiated the shared service model for its entities to ensure long-term sustainability through increased efficiencies and effectiveness. Notwithstanding the reduced allocation of transfer to public cooperation and private enterprises, we welcome the continued support for greenfield, including infant industry and brownfield investment and companies in distress in order to retain jobs and industrial capacity. We also welcome the initiative to enhance the domestic industrial finance system to crowd in more funding for enterprises and streamline industrial support. We are also encouraged by the progress made by the competition authorities in ensuring that indeed data must fall. In a number of cell phone companies has undertaken to reduce their data cost as a result of the finding of the market inquiry into the cost of data. So we welcome the undertaking of the department to scale up youth employment services program as well as empowerment of women-run businesses. Um, just to take uh, the point, Chair, through you, one was actually seeing that the opposition, particularly the Democratic Alliance in the committee, uh, Honorable McPherson, is actually a person that may actually help a great deal in terms of contribution. We've seen that he has actually had uh, questions to the minister, but in a way, the party engaged at the committee, they missed the opportunity. The other point which was quite interesting, Honorable uh, Cuthbert, who is the member as well, has actually in the committee raised you know, a vote of no confidence to the chair. But I think that there is a crowding in of the Democratic Alliance as well, which might contribute negatively. Uh, Michael Walters, Honorable Michael Walters, who is actually uh, proposing that we discuss Two uh, parliamentary replies to his questions and what he called a massive NLC amount of granted to what only described as questionable uh, organization. Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, most appreciated. Thanks. I now recognize Honorable McPherson. Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, I'm surprised that the Minister would even bring up the National Ventilator Project. 
because 20,000 of those ventilators were supposed to be ready in the first week of July, and they have not built a single one. It is so delayed that even the Western Cape Health Department have said that they are of no use now uh, because uh, they couldn't meet their own timeline. Mm -hmm. And isn't that just a great example of how spectacular uh, his failure of leadership has been during this crisis? And they say that a crisis really reveals a person's true ability to lead. Uh, and hasn't that been very true for Minister Patel? At the beginning of this pandemic, the DA and myself pledged to support and assist the minister uh, and this government in a response to President Ramaphosa's call to put party politics aside and put the country first. Uh, I genuinely believe that Minister Patel would also uphold his end of the president's call, but the truth is he has spent every day since then doing exactly the opposite. He has used the state of disaster to try and win favor within the ANC by implementing plans and policies that would make even communists in the Kremlin blush. And all of this was done at the expense of hardworking South Africans. From his flip-flops on e-commerce, where he believed he was the sole arbiter of fairness, to desperately relying on Minister Dlamini Zuma to cure his legal nightmare after he decided to ban the sale of hot food, thereby making life even more difficult for frontline healthcare workers who relied on the sale of hot food after hours, to his crazy and insulting regulations on what clothes people can buy and how they should wear them. It was like Minister Patel was determined to make himself a national lampoon, and he has exceeded all expectations in doing so. He has displayed complete ignorance when it comes to understanding how an economy works. That you can simply designate a percentage of workers for a factory line to return to work would make even a first-year economic student embarrassed. Under his watch, he has left low-income South Africans to fend for themselves by approaching loan sharks to find credit. The DA wrote a comprehensive proposal on how the minister can make credit available to millions of people who needed it by invoking Section 11 of the National Credit Act. That was in April. To date, he has steadfastly refused to even engage us on the proposal. So what has he done instead? He has commissioned a secret plan to use the Disaster Management Act and strong-arm credit lenders to expunge the credit records of South Africans retrospectively from the 1st of April until the state of disaster ends. While this may seem like an act of altruism from Minister Patel, what, what this will do, in fact, is increase the cost of credit and access to credit for South Africans as lenders will simply refuse to make funds available if there is no recourse to people who cannot repay their debts. And Minister Patel will do this all by, bar, by bypassing parliament and legislation, which should be rejected by every member of parliament and credit providers. But why would he do all of this? Well, it's simple. Minister Patel has to reach into the populist pits of ideas to repair his battered public image at his own hand. What better way than to mislead the public that they can lend money, not pay it back, and do so without consequences? Minister Patel has been very quiet when it comes to the alcohol ban. Did you support this, Minister? Do you support uh, President Ramaphosa using workers in this industry as pawns for your government's complete failure to build healthcare capacity in every province outside of the Western Cape? 
I'm also told that multinational companies in the alcohol industry have been very have been trying to secure meetings with you to discuss this, but only to be rebuffed at every opportunity. Why is this, Minister Patel? Let me tell you some home truths, Minister. You and your party have got us into this mess before we even got into the COVID pandemic. The truth is, for as long as President Ramaphosa and yourself have a job, millions more will never find one. That you and President Ramaphosa believe that the ANC should be at the forefront of our economic recovery is wrong, misguided, and suicidal. It's time to get out of the way and let businesses, big and small, the hardworking men and women of this country, lead us to economic growth. Stop choking them with your Soviet-style regulations and red tape, and stop using triple B double E as a front for corruption to enrich the politically connected and COVID tenderpreneurs. You've spoken much about corruption. You've spoken much around ending corruption. Put your money where your mouth is and do something about it. And the truth is, for as long as we have an ANC government and a minister who are prepared to put the interest of their party first, ahead of the millions of people who have lost their job, three millions and counting, South Africa will continue to chug along a course of desperate destruction. Now, the chairperson, uh, Mr. Nkosi has spoken at length about myself and uh, Mr. Cuthbert's contributions uh, to the committee. And we have been the only ones that have been fighting to expose corruption when it comes to the National Lottery Commission, which my colleague, Mr. Cuthbert, will speak to uh, just now. And if Mr. Nkosi spent half of his time obsessing about the DA and about myself and Mr. Cuthbert, as he did about good governance, about rooting out corruption and rooting out maladministration, maybe things would be a little bit better for a lot more people in this country. I thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, can I now recognize Honorable Yako? Uh, over to you. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, Trained industry. Um, the EFF rejects the Department of Trade and Industry and Competition uh, budget vote. Mr. Ibrahim Patil um, stood in front of Parliament and the country for the last 10 years um, to present a budget vote of the Department of Economic Development and now Trade and Industry and Competition. Every year, he will tell us about non existent industrial capacity. He imagines some industrial capacity and thinks it exists. Minister came to the committee and said South Africa has the capacity to manufacture ventilators and with potential surplus for export to the rest of the continent. This is not true. There is no capacity in South Africa. The reality is that South Africa does not have either industrial policy or the manufacturing capacity. We are a country that does not produce what we consume on a daily basis, and we continue to rely on imports for everyday and everyday things, including the most basic things. We are still exporting raw material resources. We are still exporting raw mineral resources and agriculture produce only to buy finished goods made out of our own mineral resources and agricultural produce. The Minister of Health, Dr. William Kieser, told the Portfolio Committee on Health 
that 90% of PPE were imported from other countries. So we are importing ventilators and relying on donations. We are importing PPEs and begging from donations. We are importing masks, gloves, aprons, and overalls. We are too arrogant to listen when we are told when we told you time and time again that there is no believable and practical plans that will lead to industrialization, job creation, and redistribution, redistribution of wealth to the majority of our people. Our economy is concentrated in the hands of a few, and even in a time of a pandemic, they can do as they please without serious consequence. Disco must find 1.2 million for hiking prices for masks. There are companies that have hiked prices for, of, for, by more than 500%. Um, percent. The Competition Commission received more than 1,000 complaints about price hiking, including food. Um, these are the consequences of the economy controlled by few on the basis of exploitation of the majority. The only practical step to deal with this level of greed is to arrest directors and companies and send them directly to jail. There's no use to negotiate with greedy people who are not even ashamed to hike prices during COVID-19. There's still no believable and practical plan to deal with the ACBS and the NCRS. There's still no believable and practical plan to reimagine industrial zones uh, into zones that produce food and create jobs. There's still no believable plan to invest, coordinate state buying power. As a result, the government is failing to use its own buying power to influence industrialization. There's still no clear plan on how to transfer ownership of our wealth as a country to companies owned and controlled by women and youth. While the minister continues to imagine a non-existent industrial capacity of our people, um, our people remain unemployed. Companies continue to retrench people, including companies who pledge finance at the Investment in Jobs Summit company, convinced by Mr. Ramaphosa. The EFF is the only, the only political party that has put on the table a practical and believable industrial strategy. Only a state-led industrial land will work in South Africa. So therefore, the EFF does again reject the Department of Trade and Industry and Competition Adjusted Budget. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, can I now recognize another can I thank you, Chair. thank you, Chairperson. Um, Chairperson, or members, Minister, honourable members, South Africa is not immune from the endemic that has spread all over the world and brought down economies of, of the world. The first world countries have been hit hard, and South Africa is experiencing the same. Small industries in the former homelands were left unattended by the democratic uh, government of the day, which uh, resulted in the movement of the people to big cities and towns with the hope of getting uh, job opportunities, only to end up building uh, uh, shacks uh, or temporary uh, homes on land that is not uh, suitable for uh, residential purposes. It is good that uh, the department developed policies and reg regulatory uh, framework, uh, framework uh, works to promote the development of, of industries. But for those underdeveloped areas like townships where majority of the poor uh, 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 reside, continues to live in poverty and underdevelopment. Uh, the blame shall always be 
put on the doors of apartheid, but let's uh, refocus on reviving those small uh, factories in rural areas to absorb job, job seekers uh, and balance the development, the developed cities uh, and towns uh, opportunities. The department should be making it a, a priority to develop and support and maintain what we have as a building block. Sugar industry, for example, sugar mills are struggling these days, but uh, instead of uh, supporting small uh, cane growers to feed the sugar, sugar, sugar mills, South Africa will import more sugar from uh, countries overseas. Trade barriers should be considered to protect our industry. While promoting uh, and supporting new entrants to industry, we must guard against uh, products of substandard. Case in point, uh, the face masks and, and sanitizers that are manufactured, which are of uh, a, a poor quality, are exposing uh, the consumers unnecessarily. Uh, 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 Chairperson, it is important to point out uh, where the goods that we buy from China are not of good uh, quality. It is good, therefore, we therefore support the budget. Thank you very much. Can I now recognize Honorable Molda? Thank you, Honorable Chair, Minister, Members. The Department of Trade and Industry and Competition as the most significant role player and job creating department is mandated to create a diverse and globally competitive economy through industrialization, which is characterized by inclusive growth and development, decent employment and equity for all South Africans. This must now inevitably be achieved with a 16% decreased budget amounting to 1,77 billion rand from 11,08 billion to 9,31 billion for the 2021 financial year. The solution to this challenge lies in the department's ability to achieve more with less without making the same mistakes as in the past. And the Freedom Front Plus has already engaged with the minister on this matter and we will continue to do so. Chair, the outbreak of COVID-19 couldn't have come at a more inconvenient time for South Africa. At the outbreak of the pandemic, the South African economy was already on the verge of collapse, with South Africa as an investment destiny downgraded to junk status to poor governance, state capture and corruption of the ANC government. It is common knowledge that a firm stance had to be taken to find a balance between the protection of lives 
and to win time in preparation for the COVID-19 virus to peak. Instead of declaring a state of emergency to prevent a disaster and be accountable, the government declared a state of disaster, depriving South Africans of their rights to earn an income and destroy the economy with clumsy and irrational lockdown regulations. Hundreds of thousands of South Africans have already lost their jobs and thousands of well-established businesses and employers have closed their doors permanently, not due to the coronavirus, but of continuous irregular and irrational regulations. Time will learn the unconditional banning of tobacco and alcohol products resulted in nothing else than the destruction of once proud South African and international acclaimed icons, providing jobs to more than a million people in the value chain. Chair, instead of recognizing these clumsy mistakes, at least we trust it was not done deliberately, the ANC reverts to the blame-shifting politics, strengthening the culture of entitlement as a last resort and relay for its own failure. The establishment of a culture of entitlement will have a similar detrimental result than the culture of non-payment for services, which is, of course, also a legacy of the ANC. Last night, President Ramaphosa addressed the South Africans on how public money would be protected by the already underfunded Special Investigating Unit. Public money belongs to the South African taxpayers, who have been looted and alienated and are gradually distancing themselves in mistrust in the state. Honorable Minister Patel knows that a command and control approach don't work but rather less regulation and trust in the private sector. Cabinet collegiality is often not rational. South African taxpayers cannot continue to fund irrationality. The Freedom Front Plus do not support this adjustment budget. Thank you, Chair. Very well. Very well. Thank you very much. Uh, can I now call uh, Honorable Chair? Honorable Housekeeper, the ACDP believes that GTIC is one of the most important departments needed for the growth and development of our economy, yet it has received a significant decrease in its budget allocation, despite the mandate that it has to carry out. GTIC is mandated to create a diverse and globally competitive economy through industrialization for all South Africans and to implement this mandate. The DGIC provides a policy and regulatory framework to promote the development of industries, ensuring the inclusive participation of all people in economic activities and to attract and facilitate private investments, as well as to promote international and regional trade supported by its various incentives. The DGIC's budget as tabled in February 2020 was some 11.08 billion for the 2020-21 financial year. This will decrease by 1.77 billion to 9.31 billion, a decrease of 16% of the original budget. Industrial financing and industrial competitiveness are just two of the programs most affected by this adjustment with a downward adjustment of 19.8% and 17% respectively. The total downward adjustment for these two programs is just over 2 billion, which will definitely hamper our mandate to grow the economy through industrialization. There can be no doubt, Honorable House Chair, that our economy is in trouble. It was downgraded to junk status and already in recession prior to COVID-19. 
Our debt to GDP is now expected to reach over 80%. Our budget deficit some 12%, and the unemployment may surpass 50%, uh, with some 3 million expected to lose their jobs post-COVID-19. Our gross fixed capital formation has dipped by some 10%, showing a reduced investment in infrastructure projects. The looting must stop, and entities like NLC must come clean in revealing its beneficiaries, the SABC, the SABS, and the NRCS officials also must be held accountable for the poor condition of these entities. The ACDP in preparing to govern has made the following recommendations to grow our industrial base. We need to be create more beneficiary refining sites to maintain resource value change in, in South Africa. We need to grow our domestic markets to support local manufacturing output. We need to reduce our reliance on supply chains from heavily affected and vulnerable countries. We must revisit business models and risk strategies to improve their resilience. We have to remove race space and other policies which create policy and political uncertainty. We must accelerate connectivity to invest in e-learning and telemedicine. Our treasury-led development of local trading platforms uh, to link local suppliers and buyers must be implemented. We must give free data or reduce data costs for all South Africans. There has to be continuous engagement in all sectors, including the religious sector, to grow our economy. The ACDP does not say that it is the only party that has made recommendations, but amongst the other opposition parties, the ACDP is one of those parties that makes uh, committed, that committed uh, to change Monday. in this economy. The ACDP does not support this adjustment budget. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, UDM, I don't have a name. UDM, can I now move to uh, Sheikh Imam? I now recognize Sheikh Imam. Uh, then he's also not there. Can we call Honorable Grumwashe? Thank you, Honorable Chairperson, Honorable Minister Patel, Deputy Minister Chairperson, Honorable Dumankosi, Honorable Members, good morning. In our interactions with the Department of Trade and Industry competition, we raised a number of questions. Among these questions was what programs has received the, the relative big cut in budget reallocations? And what then did the department initiated as mitigating measures to fill the gaps? We concluded with the question of future outlook for industrialization and economic growth following the global pandemic and national wide lockdown. We are comforted by the manner in which the department has responded to the COVID-19 and lockdown. Confident that the measures initiated will protect and sustain.
sustain jobs as well as stimulate economic growth. These initiatives by the department are the basis for our support for this revised budget vote. Chairperson, there are a number of programs which have received a high percentage of budget cut in relative terms. These programs are the industrial financing, industrial competitiveness and growth, the export development promotion and out, outward investment, consumer and corporate regulations, as well as the program on special industrial development and economic transformation. Obviously, Chairperson, this program forms the core of the mandate of the GTI. A number of mitigating factors have been developed to ensure that the department will continue to implement its reimagined industrial strategy, notwithstanding the budget prioritization. Among these initiatives is the allocation of, five, of 500 million to finance COVID-19 interventions by the department. The cause for economic transformation is one of the commitment we made as the African National Congress in our election manifesto. The program of special economic zones and the black industrialist program are aimed at the creating an inclusive economy for the benefit of all South Africans, especially the historical marginalized group, the women, youth, and person with the, persons with the disability. These programs will continue to be part of the DTI plans. Chairperson, given that we are swimming in uncharted waters, it is understandable that the DTI, the DTIC had a prioritized some master plans and differ other master plans for the next financial year. The prioritization of the sugar, steel, and furniture master plan is a step in the right direction, given the job creation capacity of this sector and the growth potential. Chairperson, we are in agreement that to stimulate economic growth, we need to be aggressive on the localization program. In the fifth parliament, the then portfolio committee on trade and industry held hearings on the challenge of both public and private sector in complying with the localization prescript. It became clear in the hearing that among other challenges, the issue of lack of compliance with localization prescript. The commitment by the DTI to monitor the adherence and compliance with localization, especially in the state, will not have come at the right time. Chairperson, we welcome the establishment of the target as a way to respond to the economic disruption caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. In particular, the economic recovery program is one of is one such interventions. Under this program, the saving and expansion of job creation as well as the retaining of protecting industrial assets will be implemented. Also, Chairperson, the transfer of 500 million to the IDC, NEF, and CIFA to provide immediate distress funding to, com to companies producing personal protection equipment is a step in the right direction. The initiatives have adequately responded to the question which informed our interaction with the DTI as part of the budget process. ANC support. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, honorable member. Uh, I will I will now call upon uh, Honorable Card, but uh, over to you. 
Honorable House Chairperson, there is no denying that South Africa finds itself in the most desperate economic and health circumstances since the Great Depression of the late 1920s and the onset of HIV-AIDS denialism in the early 2000s. Stats SA's latest quarterly labor force survey. Chair, it keeps on interrupting and taking my speech away. It keeps on bringing me back to this. I'm not sure why. Honorable House Chairperson, there is no denying that South Africa finds itself in the most desperate of economic and health circumstances since the Great Depression of the late 1920s and the onset of HIV-AIDS denialism in the early 2000s. Stats SA's latest quarterly labor force survey revealed that unemployment stood at 30.1% as per the standard definition for the first quarter of 2020. The South African Reserve Bank, the National Treasury and the IMF estimate that we will lose anywhere between three to seven million further jobs once the full impact of the world's longest lockdown is calculated. Moreover, the South African Consumer Confidence Index reported in early July 2020 that consumer confidence stood at minus 33 points, and its worst in 35 years. Let me be crystal clear. The dire economic circumstances we find ourselves in are not solely a byproduct of the COVID-19 pandemic, but 26 years of poorly devised economic policy, cater deployment, and large-scale corruption. However, for the purposes of this debate, let us zoom in closer to home. What has transpired at the National Lotteries Commission over the last few years could not be described as anything but criminal. The DA has tirelessly fought over the years to have the list of NLC grant beneficiaries released. We believe there is significant evidence in the public domain which has revealed how certain members of the NLC hierarchy and the associates have used grant funding to line their pockets at the expense of the poor. Each time an investigation has been instituted, the NLC have acted as both the trial and the jury, despite being the defendants in each case. Questionably so, they have cleared themselves of any wrongdoing each and every time. All the while, they have prevented the public and parliament from scrutinizing their lists of beneficiaries over the past two years, as well as their most recent COVID-19 relief fund. Each and every step of the way, the ANC members of the Portfolio Committee have aided and abetted the NLC in executing their crime. Buying into the outlandish conspiracy theories spouted by the NLC and willfully misinterpreting the NLC's legislation. Only after the DA sought a legal opinion, which found that the NLC had acted unlawfully and subsequently laid criminal charges against their board, did Parliament table their own legal opinion, which arrived at a similar conclusion. Suddenly, the ANC had their road to Damascus moment and proclaimed themselves as champions of accountability and transparency. All the while, Minister Patel acted as a caretaker instead of dealing with corruption in his own ranks. The latest example of this being the list of COVID-19 relief fund beneficiaries, which were to be provided to him and subsequently to the committee by the 17th of July, 2020. Minister, where is the list? We've recently seen two key witnesses in the Denzi investigations cars being torched by criminals, and several journalists have received death threats. Minister, what will it take for you to act? There is no other option but to fire the NLC board with immediate effect. Failure to do so will only confirm that you are, in fact, a caretaker of corruption. And as for Mr. Nkosi, 
our level of engagement is directly related to the way in which he's handled this matter. If he didn't see it fit to cover up corruption, try and stall this process at every single stage, then there would be no need for us to fight in the way we have. So it's your conduct, Mr. Nkosi, not our conduct that is the problem. I thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. Now I recognize Honorable Hermas from the ANC. Thank you, Chair. In the past year, the DTIC has outlined to Parliament its strategic plans and its annual plans. This is to indicate concrete plans on what the department will implement in the current financial year and what it will implement in the five-year electoral period. There has been noticeable progress in the implementation of the commitments made by the department. For instance, we have witnessed the launching of the Tuane Automotive Special Economic Zone. This SEZ will boost industrial activities in the Tuane area and thus create jobs and add to economic growth. It will also advance the automotive sector master plan objectives. Again, the successes of the competition authorities have not gone unnoticed. The call by South Africa on the fall of data has finally been realized. The major network operators were found to have higher prices by the competition commission. Subsequently, an agreement uh, has been reached with the network operators, which will include the price cut on the cost of data. We are highlighting these achievements not as a way of beating our own drums, but to appreciate that the DTIC has lived up to the commitments it made before this parliament. The reality is that the COVID-19 pandemic has disrupted the further implementation of most of the commitments made by the DTIC. This is very much understandable given the reality of our day. With the unavoidable budget cut to the DTIC and the reprioritization, our interest is on how will the, D, the DTIC find its way around these restraints to implement its uh, industrialization mandate. Quite correctly, we need to lay a foundation for economic the future of our country beyond the lockdown. We need to develop strategies and innovative ways of rebuilding our economy. This requires the identification of short-term to medium-term interventions. When the economy is down, as in the case of our economy, economics teaches us that in that period of economic decline, it is prudent to implement counter-cyclical measures to stimulate growth. We urge that the incentive programs of the DTIC be channeled in the direction of counter-cyclical measures. We also note and welcome the undertaking by the DTIC that it will reprioritize funding allocations to support firms in distress to sustain current productive capacity and jobs and firms that can expand their productive capacity and create new jobs. 
We understand that the, the, the disruption caused by COVID-19 to the finalization and implementation of the, South, of the African continental free trade area. However, we of the firm believe that inter-Africa trade is needed now more than ever before. We urge our government and in particular the DTIC to find alternate ways of carrying forward the process of economic integration of Africa through the, the African continental free trade area. Going forward, we will monitor how the DTIC implements its economic recovery program, which include encouraging investment in the healthcare, pharmaceuticals, agricultural, food production sectors to ensure stability in supply chains. Also, the investment in the renewable energy sector. The investment in infrastructure to, to stimulate growth as well as an unlocking regulatory barriers and improve the ease of doing business in South Africa. It is so unprogressive that the DA will use this platform to vilify Minister Patel. It shows that you are out of step with the rest of South Africa because Sectors and experts have mentioned Minister Patel by name for the good work he has been doing during this pandemic. We know that there has been widespread consultation with various sectors at every stage and level that we have passed through in the pandemic. To the DA also, triple BEE 101. The purpose of Triple BEE is to address the legacy of apartheid and to promote the economic participation of black people in the, the South African economy. To South Africans, please note that the DA does not stand for economic in inclusivity and that they do not believe that black South Africans must participate in the economy. It is also rich that the EFF speaks about uh, arrogance of the arrogance of the South African, the ANC-led South African government, they whereas they have cornered the arrogance uh, corner in totality. They must just go and shred, shred these brilliant plans that they say they have for South Africa because they will never govern this country. The ANC supports both the tonight. Never in a very long time. Please, if you're going to sweep, at least do it properly, man. That's a sweeping with wet lettuce. That was wet. That was a wet lettuce sweep. Order, order. In the peanut gallery are even worse, man. Order. Now I recognize the Honorable Minister of Trade and Industry, Honorable Patel. The sweetheart of monopoly capital. Now, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. The sweetheart of white monopoly capital. 
Uh, and I'd like uh, to thank honorable members for a number of the very warm comments made, the advice offered, and uh, constructive criticism. I found a number of the comments valuable, such as uh, honorable uh, Kevin Kulu's comments on the sugar industry. It employs large numbers of South Africans, and we've now put up a compelling plan to try to turn the fortunes of the industry around. I found helpful honorable Herman's uh, focus on the regional economy. Africa remains a continent of enormous potential, uh, and uh, it is a significant market. It's a partner for South Africa, and it's an area that we'll be putting more of our effort in. I found Honorable Tring's comments on beneficiation to be spot on. It is an area where we need to use the mineral base of South Africa to greater advantage. Now, these comments, and they some of a number, contrast very sharply with the comments from the Democratic Alliance. I had hoped that the DA would provide thoughtful comment on what government has done to date, offer some constructive criticism uh, where we can do better as a country, provide support where we're making progress, and so help us to unite all South Africans in fighting this pandemic. I had hoped, I had hoped in vain. Instead, Honorable Matthews, who is a friendly person, showed us the damage that prolonged lockdowns can have on our psyches. The five minutes were used in one unrelenting attack on the character of the chairperson and myself, not even pausing to come up for breath. It's time to get out a bit more. To offer ideas, I cannot find something to Agreement, but there was no policy. They tried to bury him. Raise the concern about local capability and industrial capacity. And if we take away the political uh, posturing that yeah. uh, I'm not gonna go uh, characterizes we can, we can agree on the importance of South Africa learning a critical lesson out of the pandemic, and that is we need to have stronger capacity in areas like health. And in production. Basically, you have a number of different face masks. You have the, the top standard one, which is the, um, uh, the, the ones that are used by healthcare workers, uh, uh, the FFP3, they're called, uh, the N95, that's a, a technical standard that's set. And uh, uh, there are other standards, there are the normal surgical masks, and then there's the cloth face mask. We surveyed what South Africa's capability was, and we worked with local industry, and we increased our capacity in the middle of the pandemic, with all the challenges and disruptions to the supply chain, we increased it from 6 million units a month to 12, 13 million units a month. We took the ventilator project as a fascinating example of South African uh, uh, know-how and ingenuity being used. 
Before the COVID uh, crisis, we did not produce any ventilators. Initially, we tried to, we still private hospitals and public hospitals tried to buy ventilators on the global market. And uh, we saw that, uh, as the United States saw, the UK, many, many other countries, that the global market for ventilators was absolutely flooded by demands by countries for these, uh, these, these units. Every country struggled. The UK tried to launch a ventilator project in the middle of the crisis. South Africa brought together some of our top scientists in the South African Radio Astronomy Observatory, the people who run the SKA. And we said to them, we want to put out a call for, uh, for proposals. Can we do something in the middle of the crisis to build a local ventilator? be a challenging task because these from inception to conclusion. We said to them, we don't have that amount of time. Do your very best. So what we did, we did the call for proposals. Designs came in from many, many South Africans. Sarawa then took them through a lab condition, tested each of these, sent them to hospitals to be tested on site. And thereafter, we went through the process of regulatory approval to make sure that we get the necessary approvals. We worked with the Solidarity Fund to try to get funding. Each of these, of course, took time during the course of the pandemic, while the country was, uh, for part of that period, in lockdown. To the enormous credit of South African innovators, they are now getting to the point where those ventilators are being put together. Let's, let's recognize that and acknowledge it. Honorable McPherson's ministers don't produce uh, ventilators. We don't make them. We provide an environment in which South Africans with enterprise and innovation can in fact do that and do it at record time. Let me then turn uh, next to the issue that's come up. Um, uh, Honorable Mulder says, well, we recognize that we've got enormous challenges. And Honorable Cuthbert says, it's one of the greatest crises since the Great Depression. Regrettably, the honorable, the honorable members then try to say, hang on, this is actually just this fault. According to the World Bank, uh, the, uh, the world is suffering the worst global recession since World War II. The ANC has nothing to do with that. According to the Bank of England, the United Kingdom is suffering the worst recession in 300 years. The ANC has nothing to do with that. According to the IMF, China is showing the slowest annual growth since the death of Mao Zedong. The ANC has nothing to do with that. According to official statistics, the United States now has the highest unemployment that it has faced since the Great Depression. The ANC has nothing to do with that. So I point to these examples to say it's easy to take cheap shots, difficult conditions, and what the opposition can do is if they have no ideas, remain silent. If they have ideas and sensible ideas, raise them in a constructive way. While I may not agree with everything that uh, has been said, uh, let's take some of the ideas of Honorable Tring. He's offered some ideas. He said, uh, how can we try to support greater levels of localization? How can we recognize the vulnerabilities in supply chains? He speaks as if he is a member of the uh, official opposition. He points to e-learning that must be promoted, and I, 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 I recognize the importance of reducing data costs, which is why a few years ago, and from the 1st of April this year, data prices came down 
by an average of 30% for Vodacom, for MTN, and others on the prepaid bundles, saving consumers billions of rands. Uh, Honorable Matsi made the point about the budget being cut. Uh, it's Thank you, Honorable Minister. It's a theme that was also being picked up, and I will come back to the committee and indicate the kind of things we're going to do under these difficulties. Thank you, Honorable Minister. Time is up. All the contributions made. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Members are reminded Honorable members, members are reminded that the debate on police budget vote and small business development budget vote will take place at 14 hours on the virtual platform. That could debate and the business of the virtual mini plenary session. The mini plenary session now will rise. Thank you. Well done, Minister. Well done. I can't Go believe away. they sent the D team no, out today. That was the ANC's D team that they sent out today. Well done, well done, DA. Well done, colleagues. Very proud of you. Please find some help.